Are you looking for inspiration on a daily basis? Well, check out Deal to Heal Teas. With our inspirational teas, you're sure to find something that will inspire you. Just go to dealtoheelteas.myshopify.com. That's Deal to Heal Teas. Get some inspiration in your situation. Wear inspirational tea and be inspired all day. That's Deal to Heal Teas at Deal to Heal Teas. That my Shopify.com. Hey guys, this is Ernest James, host of the Deal to Heal with E. James podcast. And I got a question to ask you Could you buy me a cheeseburger? Better yet, could you buy me a value meal? Yes? Well, guess what? I don't need a value meal. However, for the cost of a value meal, you can support this podcast to keep us on the air. Just go to Patreon slash Deal to Heal podcast and choose any one of the three tiers that's available. And if you just want to make a one-time donation, go to Cash App and make a donation to dollar sign E. James, the number 418. Make a one-time donation to the Cash App or again, go to Patreon to support this podcast and keep us on the air. Thanks in advance. Be blessed. Welcome to Deal to Heal with E. James Podcast. On this podcast, my guest and I will discuss topics and ways to help us to heal in every area of our lives. I believe that everyone can live a life that is happy, healthy, and whole. So I'm on a mission to help people to deal, heal, and fulfill. Deal with your problem, heal from the pain, and fulfill your purpose. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get to it. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Deal to Heal with E. James podcast. I'm your host, Ernest James, and I believe that everyone can live a life that is whole, healed, and healthy. And therefore, I'm on a mission to help people to deal, heal, and fulfill, to deal with your problems, to heal from the pain, and to fulfill your purpose. Thank you guys once again for tuning in to the Deal to Heal with E. James podcast. If you have not already, please subscribe to our YouTube page, um, also our Facebook page, and like, subscribe, and share our uh handles on on all your social media we anything you look at we're there we're on instagram we're on youtube we even on tiktok all right so please make sure you guys follow us uh if you like the content leave a comment leave a rating on on google or spotify uh google podcast spotify let us know that you know we're doing a good job all right thank you guys very much so today just like any other day we are blessed with a guest miss jamie how are you I am awesome, Ernest. Uh, thank you. How are you? I am great. I am great. I'm feeling good, man. And and just just man, just ready to jump into this conversation. But first of all, let me say thank you for being here. Thank you for being on. You could have been doing anything else, but you took out time to be here with me and my listeners. And I definitely appreciate it. And I want you to know that up front. Oh, right. yeah, absolutely. And thank you. Thank you for having me. And thank you for using your platform, your voice, and your heart to um, have this hard conversation that's much needed. Um, so, yeah, thank you. No, no problem, no problem. And, 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 and I think that, you know, although we're thanking each other, I think there's going to be a lot of 
other people who thank us for having this conversation and, and, and you know, opening up these doors to conversations that we don't always have. You know, a lot of a lot of time that is is not uh, spoken about. Sometimes it's hidden. Sometimes it's, is is uh, you know hidden for a reason or swept under the rug. But um, we're going to get into it. But before we get into all that, because we don't don't even know what we're talking about, <laughs> do me a favor, introduce yourself and tell our listeners what it is that you do. Oh yes. Uh, so I'm Jamie Wright, just a small town girl from the northeast part of Oklahoma. I come from humble beginnings. I live in the Houston area now. Um, by career trade, I am a, a program analyst. And I like to tell people um, since 2020, I'm an accidental advocate. So I'm a motivational speaker. I um, brand myself as a resilient and encouragement speaker. I am a mother. I am a daughter. I am a sister. Um, I am a child child of the most high and so that's me in a nutshell okay okay so the the reason why we're uh we end up connecting um i don't remember what i came across but i know i came across your uh information on one one platform or another you know and uh what caught my attention was that you were dealing with or speaking about domestic violence and so i wanted to have you on again because my platform is is to you know, talk about, you know, every area of our lives where we have some kind of problem, whatever. And so I want to have people on that have dealt with it, have overcame it, and is willing to share their story to help someone else, uh, you know, to get over it. And so if you can tell us a little bit about um, your experience uh, with domestic violence and how did you get to be uh, in the space now that, you know, you share your voice and your story. Mm, beautiful question, Ernest. Well, um, my first experience with domestic violence uh, that I remember was about around the age of three. I grew up in a very toxic um, environment at home. I have one older sister. Uh, my sister and I was exposed to domestic violence and sexual abuse at very, very young ages. As a result of, of a lot of that uh, unhealed trauma and seeking mm -hmm. the love from, from a father and from a man, I found myself pregnant at 13 years old, had been pregnant uh, five times by the time I was 19 years old. Fast forward, uh, was married, um, you know, managed to pick myself up by my bootstraps. You know, I moved into the projects when I was 16 years old after being emancipated, after giving birth to my, my oldest daughter um, at 14, you know, went to the projects, pulled myself out of there, was able to buy my first house when I was 18 years old as a result of working at the bank that I, uh, um, getting a loan at the bank that I worked at. So got married, um, met my first ex-husband around 17 years old. We divorced around 32. Lots, lots of, um, you know, I, I can own my piece in it now from the work that mm -hmm. I've done. And so can he. And so as a result of that, we are uh, friends. We do a beautiful job co-parenting, so forth and so on. So after that, I'm like healed earnest, you know, I'm like, I'm, you know, understanding some of, of why I did the things that I did when I was a young girl, um, 
trucking along. You know, my oldest daughter is graduating college. She's a graduate of University of Oklahoma. She's um, in dental school now. So life is good, right? My youngest nursing, living her life. Fast forward 2018, I um, met this tall, dark, and handsome, fine brother, ordained minister. We were in the Dallas area. He lived in the Houston area, but we met in Dallas. Hit it off instantly. Super solid guy. We dated for about a couple of years from 2018 to 2020. Um, in 2020, we exchanged vows. I moved from Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas to Houston, Texas. Thought I was going to live this amazing life. Thought that we were going to do amazing things in the kingdom. Um, finally was going to get that healthy love that I'd never experienced. Finally, I was going to have that marriage despite being 13 years old and pregnant, despite uh, coexisting with mental illness conditions. I was going to have it all, right? And all in my world at that time was just simply to be loved and, and to mm -hmm. love um, and uh, moved from Dallas, Fort Worth to Houston after we exchanged vows in, in February of 2020. By April of 2020, I was homeless broke, broken as a result of, of uh, domestic violence. Never in a million years would I thought that um, I would be in a homeless shelter in the, in, the, in the wake of the pandemic. If you remember, it's kind of hard to believe it's been like two and a half years that mm -hmm. we've all endured um, the pandemic, but right. it's what's so, right? So the stay-at-home orders was in place around March of 2020. And so by April, it was, you know, it was in my world. And, and now I know because I speak, you know, my story in a way to shed light and to hopefully bring understanding and awareness and healing that it wasn't just in my, my home that domestic violence was happening. It was in lots of people's homes. So that is, um, yeah, how I, how I got in this space. Like I said, never in a million years thinking that I would be homeless. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, work really hard to get an education, work really hard to have the career that I have now, worked really hard that I thought at that time to work on myself, uh, to, you know, be self-accountable, to understand the brokenness inside myself so that I would stop breaking people because I was broken. So, uh, yeah, never in a million years would have thought I would become an accidental advocate in the domestic mm -hmm. violence space, but here I am. Yeah, and that's that's interesting. So one of the things I'm I'm gonna go back a little bit um, because there's two things that I wanted to I want to hit on that you that you mentioned, and one of them, which was a question that I was gonna ask you, was how was your home life growing up? Because a lot of times we uh, either purposely walk into or attract the things that we're familiar with. You know, and so unfortunately, sometimes we are familiar with these things because of our upbringing and because of the things that went on in our household. And so either we knowingly look for it or unconsciously we just attract it because it's our normal, you know, is, is what we're used to. And so it, it's unfortunate that sometimes we are exposed to, you know, domestic violence, you know, at, at such young ages. Um, so I remember my first um exposure to domestic violence. It wasn't inside my home. And then uh, on another thing, it wasn't 
when we think about domestic violence, typically we think about a man violating a woman, you know, but it actually goes in the opposite direction also. And so my first exposure to it was the opposite, right? So I remember I was in grade school, uh, definitely, and it was a young woman and a young man, you know, they had gotten into an altercation about whatever. She had took something from him um, that she was supposed to return. She didn't return it, whatever. So they kind of got into an altercation about it. Um, but instead of just being like, okay, I'm going to give you back, you know, whatever it was that she had took from him, you know, she flipped and it was like, well, you ain't going to do nothing, you know, and again, that whole thing. And so she hit him. And she hit him and he stepped back and he said, I'm not going to hit you because you're a girl. Now, again, we're in grammar school. Unfortunately for him, that was like the green light for her, you know. And so when when he said that, she hit him again. And so he just kept, you know, kind of trying to retreat from her, you know, and kept saying, I'm not going to hit you because you're a girl. But the more he said that, the more she went in, you know, and it just got now this. She wasn't a, a, a lightweight either. Let me put it that way. She she could fight. She had like three brothers. You know, she was on the boys wrestling team. Like she was a hardcore female when it came to fighting in the first place. And then you're fighting someone who's not even trying to protect themselves. So it wasn't it wasn't a pretty fight. But I remember that, you know, that was my first time, you know, seeing it up front and, you know, in my face. And like I said, it's unfortunate that we are we are exposed to it and these different times, you know, or, or just in general, but unfortunately it is, it is a reality that some of us grow up seeing on a day-to-day -day basis or some people like yourself who may have seen it in their homes. Um, so my, my next uh, story question I, I want to ask is because we know that you're, some people are exposed to it early, you know, so do you think, um, and I, and I kind of believe it. Do you think that, and even if it's, even if they see it and they know that it's wrong, that in some way they find themselves either being a victim or being the oppressor in those same situations, you know, um, I, I mean, I don't necessarily know how to explain it, <laughs> are you, are you but if you're it. Are you yeah. talking about the, the partner that causes the abuse? Yes, or? yes. Like they they they're seeing it, and and even like when it's even directed towards them. So like children that's that are abused, you know, physically abused when they're you know younger, they turn around and sometimes become the abuser to someone else, you know. So I. I don't necessarily know why that happens. <laughs> well, studies show, well, studies show that abuse is a learned behavior. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is all the things that I've learned since becoming an advocate. So to your point, you're absolutely right. There are many instances that abusive partners, they're simply doing what they seem done. Specifically and especially, I hone in on the communities of color specifically mm -hmm. our community for several reasons. The most important is I never want to speak out out of turn. I right. always want to speak from a perspective that I have lived experience, study, research. You know, I, I want I don't want to shoot from the hip. Right. And so specifically in our community, that's what we 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 are whooped. And if we go back a little deep, uh, a little deeper to why we whoop, 
what did the slave masters do to us? Right. So mm -hmm. it's that perpetual generational like you do what's been done to you. And so studies show oftentimes abusers, they abuse because they were abused to your point. And so that's hope in that. Um, if a, a abusive partner learns abuse, guess what? They can unlearn it. Mm -hmm. They can mm -hmm. unlearn it. And I'm and I'm we we're gonna get to that because that was an interesting interesting point of view that that you had related to me, and about um, the abusive getting the abusive partner help, and that that was a whole different mindset because and and rightfully so I, I definitely appreciate it because oftentimes we do think about you know the victims and those that you know uh, have been abused by someone else, but again. If someone is a bruiser, there's some reason why they have that trait, you know. And so we're gonna get we're gonna talk about that, you know, in a minute. I don't want to jump ahead too much, but um, I did want to want to talk about that. And and I remember myself. Uh, I don't have a lot of stories with domestic violence, but I do have some things that stick out in my mind, right? And so I remember when I was I was dating a young lady. Um, I probably was like 19, 18, 19, good relationship. You know, we never had no problems. Um, in my mind already from previously, from the previous story that I shared, it always is in my mind about the domestic violence, right? So coming into any relationship that I was in, I heard Mike say, hey, look, we don't play fight. We don't wrestle. You know what I'm saying? We don't put our hands on each other. That's that's a no-go for me. You know, it's, it's zero tolerance with that. You know, if you're not hugging me, then don't touch me. You know what I'm saying? So, and that was always my viewpoint. So I'm in this relationship with this young lady and probably been dating for a, a while. And for some reason, right, it was just like for two weeks, and I'm talking two full weeks, it was like she was pressing me to, to hit her. I mean, like she was pinching me to slap me, you know, and I'm like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, we've, we've never done that in our whole relationship. So like, why, why are you, you doing this? And I remember talking to someone and I'm like, I get the feeling that she's purposely pushing me, you know, for whatever reason. And so this one day, <laughs> unfortunately, and, and, and I'm ashamed of it, but it's the, the truth. So this one day we go to the mall, we're walking through the mall and we're talking and for whatever reason, I don't remember what, why, but she slaps me in the back of my head, right? And I'm bald, as you see. I, I went bald young, so I've been bald a long time. And it wasn't even that it hurt it. It, was, it didn't hurt, but it was just the sound and the, the attention that it drew, you know, because now everybody's looking at me like, she just slapped you. You know, what you gonna do? And now I'm looking at her like, really? That, you know what I'm saying? So we go, we get in the car, we're driving. I'm upset at this point. So I'm like, all right, we're driving. And she's still poking at me, you know? And I'm like, what are you doing? And so by that time, of course, I was upset. And so I just gently <laughs> hit her thigh. <laughs> I just hit her thigh. Just one good time. Just boom, you know? And I'm like, stop. You know, like, I don't know what's, what you, you know what I mean? What's going on with you, whatever. Stop, you know? And I take her home, I drop her off, I leave, I'm mad, I go home. She calls me. She calls me and she's crying. And I'm like, you know, like what? Like you, what? You know? So she tells me this whole story. She has an older sister that lives in a different state. I've never met her sister. And 
she's talking to her sister and for whatever reason why i don't know she's like i think that he may uh hit me and her sister's like well from you know from the conversations we'd had and from what you told me about him i don't think he's that type of person and so she makes a bet with her sister that i will hit her so she purposely for those two weeks pushed me to i get to the point to where i hit her and i'm like are you serious you know what i mean like so now you want to cry after you purposely pushed me for two weeks to get to that point when we had already established in the beginning of our relationship that that was a no-go in the first place you know and so i don't even remember the conversation after that of like what would make her even think you know to do that but I, i'm i'm just i don't know i i i I don't even know if you have an explanation for it. <laughs> it's something that I always kind of... <laughs> I, I, met, I met her, I knew her mom and her stepdad. Her, her biological father wasn't in the picture at that time. So I knew her mom and her stepdad. And I've been around them and had great relationships with both of them. And I didn't see that from them. And so I'm like, I don't even know why or where you would even get that you know, that thought process from, I don't know, I'm at a loss for words for that one. And it still bothers me to this day. <laughs> can, I, can, I, can I help, can I help to um, give you a little bit of context and possible perspective? Definitely. From an authentic place, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I'm speaking from my lived experience. For me, physical abuse equal love. And I didn't recognize that until I went into the shelter and I did a lot of cognitive behavioral therapy. It's like trauma informed therapy that takes you back to your childhood and, and helps shift the way one thinks. Um, but my reality and my self accountability and standing in my truth earnest is that the abuse that I, that I um, endured in this last relationship started three months in it so we had started dating in 2018 and the first incident was in 2018 he took me and he shook me by my neck and when i look at it from a perspective of that i can only um control what's in my reach it's like i have to i have to stand in the truth of i thought that that was love and i love the notion of being loved more than loving myself and so for some of us women we i don't know how many women will will admit to it but i'll stand in the gap and i'll speak my truth because i'm i'm here to 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 hopefully be the like when i transition out of here hopefully go to heaven with all of my gifts you know out in the world mm -hmm. and in order to do that i have to be authentic and i have to be transparent and i have to be open and honest and vulnerable um, so it sounds to me like that that might have been what she wanted is the the physicalness to equal your love. And especially with us women, I believe that all of us are broken in some area. I don't care if you're mm -hmm. black, white, male, trans. All of us have experienced trauma in our lives. Mm -hmm. And from what I've learned through my own experiences is that some of us, wherever that trauma hits, is that's where we get stuck mentally and emotionally, like the things that we can't see, the things that really matter, right? The mental stuff. And so 
if if we're working walk like my my brokenness happened that I can remember at about six, seven years old. And what I've learned through therapy is that I take I have to take that broken little girl everywhere I go. Cause I can't just rip that page of that trauma out of my, out of my story. So now I have the honor and the opportunity to protect her and to protect her. That seven year old broken Jamie is to stand in my truth. Like, and I still like the, the, the gentleman that I'm dating right now, I still Ernest have to catch myself with some of the, um, some of the learned toxic behavior that, serves no purpose in my life right now, now mm -hmm. that I'm aware of it. So to answer your question, I believe if, if you were to dig a little deeper, if she trusts you with her emotions and her, um, and her, uh, vulnerability, I bet you, if you ask her like the why, and if she's done, started doing the work, meaning like just standing in her truth, it, it'll probably be something, something It's more than a bet. You know that's the easy thing. Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, right. And and I and I agree with you because it has to be a thought first. So why would that thought even come to your mind to even, like I said, I don't even know what the conversation was, but I've never met her sister. I still have never met her sister to this day, and so I've never met her sister, never talked to her, and so there's no reason for her to bring it up. She don't even know me. You know, and so she, but and again, she did tell me that she was the one who, who made the statement and the bet for whatever reason. I don't know, but <laughs> so I, I don't know. And, and here's the thing if it might, I mean, if it really, if it, I was listening to a podcast or something not too long ago, and the gentleman was like, we should go back, and it might have been Kevin Samuels before he passed away. The, the gentleman was like, we should go back and ask the people that we dated or that we were married to, how was it to date us? How was it to marry, you know, be married to us? So if it's really something that has you stomped and if you think that, that you can have a conversation with her in a way that is healthy and can give you answers and not, you know, ask her. Yeah, I don't know. We, we, we're, we're still friends and I think we can probably have a conversation, but that one, I don't think we never, even went back to after that situation, we've never, you know, we never had no problems with it. Even after we broke up and all of that, we still remain friends. Um, so we've never even discussed that anymore. You know, you, you opened up to that in terms of like the importance of having the hard conversations. See those type of things, as little as they might seem after it's all said and done, if we just continue, especially as a collective black, black community, to sweep those things under the rug, we're never we're, we're less likely to get the healing collectively. Because see, as as long as some of us are broken, we're all broken, right? But we all know. I'm sure you know too. Like it starts with ourselves, and then our ecosystems, and then we you know venture out. So I would definitely I would definitely challenge you to say it, it might be something subconscious that she doesn't even recognize. Because yeah. she hit the wrong person and they might lay around like my like my ex, I never hit him, but it's in there are men walk and women walking around here with explosive uh personalities. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That can't okay. that don't have the opportunity to control 
themselves. So there's some men that are not solid brothers like you. Right, right. And 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 that takes me to a, another story. And and especially in this in this era, now that I think about it, with the whole notion or thing that's kind of coming out now when people are talking about, you know, the black man protecting the black woman. Um, I remember another situation, um, probably around the same age, age group, age, uh, age time, I think I was probably 1920, still the same. And I remember picking up one of my friends. And again, I'm from the uh, Chicagoland area, but we were staying in the suburbs at that time. And he asked me to take me to his girlfriend's job. You know, and at that time I had a car, I had a uh, Brewer Regal, which I love, the old school two-door Brewer Regals, um, which is a two-door. So is you know, you got to get in. If somebody else is getting in the back, they got to pull the seat up so they can get in the back, that whole notion. Anyway, so we drive to the city and we go to his girlfriend's job and she's on her lunch break. So she comes out and, you know, he opens up the door. She gets in in the back and, you know, he gets in, close the door. So they're talking or whatever. And then he asks her for some money and... She says, well, the only money that I have is my lunch money to, to get something to eat. So he says, well, give me that. And of course, she's like, no, I, I need to get something to eat. And so they kind of go back and forth or whatever, and he hits her. And so I'm like, oh, you know, you already know where I stand with that. You know what I mean? So I'm like, dude. And so they kind of going back and forth and, you know, start getting physical again. So I'm like, all right, stop. You know what I mean? I'm like, this is not going to go down, right? And so I open my door and I let her out on my side. And I tell him, if you hit her again, you're walking home. You know what I mean? And now, again, we're in the city. So that's, that's a long walk, you know. But what I'm telling him, I'm like, dude, you know, you know what I stand for. I can't tell what you do and how y'all do your relationship or whatever, but you know where I stand. And you're in my vehicle. So you're not going to do it in front of me and you're definitely not going to be do it in a in a environment that I control, which is my vehicle, you know. And so, you know, I let her out. She goes, you know, goes you know, back to work or whatever. But I, I'm just thinking that, you know, just little things like that that always stuck with me for various reasons. And prior to for a reason at such a time as this, you know, uh, to share these stories and things that has stood with me over the years. Um for various reasons. And so when I think about that one, I, I kind of just think about, you know, our in, environments and our, the things that we uh, have as a, as a culture, you know, to the point that I think some of these things are not necessarily, well, I can't say they're not promoted because it is definitely promoted, um, but accepted to, to some degree. And I think a lot of it is because those of us like myself, um, are not always as vocal as we should be in the opposition because the negativity and the stories and the examples of that is often plastered and showed and talked about in songs and videos and music and whatever, you know, so we are already, we are often bombarded by these visuals or these audio visions of, you know, domestic violence or, you know, different things that's not beneficial, like you said, not beneficial to our person. You know what I mean? But I don't think it's enough of us that are standing up and voicing, you know, the opinion or the viewpoint that, no, this is not right. This is not normal. And we're not going to accept it, you know? And so I, I think, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to have this conversation, because I think that's what we need to have. And we need to let others know 
that whether you are the, you know, abused or the abuser is not right on either side. You know what I mean? And somebody has to be the voice and the face to stand up and say, hey, look, I'm going to say it. If nobody else want to say it, it's not right. We're not doing it and we're not accepting it. You know, um, just my spiel. <laughs> no, and that's why, uh, I mean, there's several reasons why I'm honored to be on your podcast, but and, and that's one of them. Um, because you're using your platform, you're using your voice. You can be doing anything other than having a com this hard conversation this evening, right? So mm -hmm. that's why I honor you. I feel honored to be here because you're right. It's going to take, and, it, and it's, you know, there's a study that shows that it takes one person doing one thing and then you look back and then there's two and then you look back and then there's three mm -hmm. and then you look back and then there's five, right? But somebody's, we got to start somewhere. Right. Um, and and you're absolutely right. And start there and say, hey, and and, and one of the uh, the bigger and more important things, especially as it relates to black men, you all, in my opinion, and I've dated a couple of y'all. I've only dated black men, so I feel like I can I can say this. <laughs> you, it's time to to create safe spaces for each other to be emotionally weak and vulnerable. Definitely. Right. Definitely. And it, it's time for you all to say, yeah, to speak up and say, we're not having that, but from a brotherly love space, not from a con condemnation place. Right. Cause you know, mm -hmm. as well as I do, if I'm being condemned, like when I came home 13 years old and, and pregnant and people were condemning me, that's where the shame and the guilt and all of that came from, right. From that sector of people. But then I have my beautiful grandmother that said, you're not going to be the first. You're not going to be the last. Mm -hmm. And if you have this baby, you're going to take care of her. And she showed me how to breastfeed. And she showed me how to change her diaper. She affirmed me. So now I've always stood in my truth of, yeah, I was 14 years old. I dropped out of you know, junior high school in the seventh grade and didn't go to just all that because by God's grace, I had my grandmother affirming me. The same concept I feel like has to be brought forward when it when it comes to to black men. See, one of the things that I'm very much convicted by, and that's that's one of my platforms is the, the whole notion that we've got to get abusive partners help, is when I went into the shelter, Ernest, um, I was a, you know, the, it was COVID, so the city was shut down. So I don't know that I would have been there for three months had the pandemic not been there. But I was mm -hmm. able to go into this homeless shelter as a victim of domestic violence and get the emotional, like the therapy I needed. I was able to get the roof that I needed to save my money so I can gain my economic and financial freedom back. I was able to get my furniture and stuff together, all of that, right? So I had a support system that held me up. I leaned in now, of course, I had to lean into it and, and do the work, but it was there. The conviction that I have is as far as I'm, I know, my abuser, did not have that same level of resources. Not, I won't say same level. He did not have resources. And it, this is what triggered me. When I was a little girl, my stepfather, bless his heart, he made me and my sister's childhood so bad. And my mom. My mom's been passed away for about 22 years now. But I had the honor of asking him my stepfather about seven years ago, why? Why did he do what he did? And he 
explained to me his childhood. And when I was experiencing my own things in 2020 at the shelter and all that, and looking at my abuser and all of that, what I recognized is had my stepfather gotten the help that he needed instead of running in the woods, we lived in the country. So he'd beat my mama up. We called 911. He'd run in the woods. The sheriff, would, he'd run in the woods and hide and the sheriff would come and look for him. And then, then like, then when the sheriff's left, he would come back in the house. And guess what? My mom loved him. So she would let him back in. I'm like, maybe just maybe had he got the help that he deserved because he was facing and dealing with his own demons. And mind you, this is back in the eighties. The crack epidemic was real right like he was self-medicating if he would have gotten the help that he deserved not needed but deserved maybe just maybe me and my sister's childhood would have been different so you fast forward to my abuser and i still i'm not really sure why he did what he did um but if he was given the help right readily available no shame no condemnation no oh man you this and you that but just the hey man like this ecosystem of like, let's bring you into the fold and let's understand the why. Uh, because studies show violence come from violent partners. The root of it is having a need for power and control. And so when we get to the why, the root, like in my like my career, I'm an analyst. I used to be an auditor for almost 20 years. So I'm, I'm my, my mind is geared towards analyzing things and getting to the root so we can understand solution going back to creating those safe emotional spaces for black men to say yeah yeah i, I hit her in her face and knocked her teeth loose and uh i'm 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 shamed about i need help but as long as it's like and and here's the reality like with my ex the joker is fine so he gonna find somebody else right mm -hmm. and if he doesn't get the healing that he needs right. He's going to just abuse the next young lady. I know that was I went on a tangent, but that's my. No, no, no. I, and because I, I agree with you, and I've had several uh, uh, guests on, a male guest, you know, and that has been our, you know, part of our conversation that we've had about building these safe spaces for men to have conversations that, you know, we don't readily have. And, you know, uh, We've talked about several things, you know, but definitely we talked about that, you know, creating that that space. And like, and I like what you said though, even about you know getting them the help that they need, and and how your bruiser may not have had uh, the resources. And even listening to you even say that and thinking about it, and I have to be honest, from from my point of view, I don't think I've ever even heard of resources, you know, for the bruiser. You know, male or female. You know, and and, and I, I like I said earlier, because often we think about the victims. Often we're thinking about those who you know have been abused by by someone else. But then again, when we think back again, like we said, it's a learned behavior. So is it had to come from somewhere, you know, and they had to learn it from somewhere. And so if we don't address it, you know, beforehand, then I think we're doing ourselves and our our communities a disservice by always waiting until you're the victim and oh no now let me help you what if we could catch uh the abusers and get them to help you know like you said in in, a, in enough time in the earlier parts um then i think we can save ourselves a lot of hurt a lot of turmoil and, and definitely break some some generational curses that have been 
you know, flowing throughout our, our communities, definitely. So, man, and, I, I... And using the criminal justice system is not it, right? Like putting a, a man or a woman in jail or prison as a result of being violent without... Now, if they go... Now, I'm not saying... I'm not condemning it. I'm just opening up the conversation for the possibility of other ways to solve the issue. Because what we know for certain now, Ernest, is like you put these... You put people that it's caused offensive offenses to to include abuse in prison or jail. Guess what? They came out worse than what they came in. Mm -hmm. They went in, you know. Yeah, and and I think that part of that is because, especially in in the the climate now, is 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 no longer a place where they're trying to uh, reform you. You know what I'm saying? It's more of a place they're just trying to hold you for a certain time and then release you back into the wild. You know what I mean? And so you got people um, uh, who are around some of the people who are the worst that society has. And you put you put someone, you know, in that group among them people. And even if they're not a bad person, they have to learn to cope in this environment. And um, unfortunately, to be able to cope and make it through the time that they have in that environment, they have to pick up some of those traits that allows them to survive that environment. So then when you release them back into, you know, society with these traits, that these new traits that they picked up, along with the ones that they went in with, you know what I mean? Now they're, you're releasing them back on us are even worse than it was than they went in, you know? And I think that's a, that's a, a part of the problem. So, you know, and and when we do that, you know, because again, like you said, not justifying the offense, but if you are, uh, you do have an offense and you are sent to, you know, be locked up to do a certain amount of time or whatever, I think that there should be, and has to be some kind of program or something in place to help you become, to deal with those issues. Again, deal, deal, heal, fulfill to deal with those problems, to heal from that pain that you've getting and to be able to become a, a, a positive uh, addition to our society so that when you are released back into society, you are not that same person that went in, you know? And uh, yeah, I think that's, um, the, I think that's where we at. And to piggyback <laughs> off of that, like we were discussing before we went on air, um, I've put my two books on hold to switch gears and go into this women in politics program out of Texas Women University in Denton, Texas, because what I recognize, Ernest, is that uh, my creator has given me a platform and mm -hmm. I dare not take it for granted. And with that, especially when it comes to our community, in order to make real difference and real changes, we've got to shape the legislation. Gone are the days of people that don't look like us telling us what's best for us. Case in point, when I went in little things like this, when I went into the shelter, they had no black hair products, even though black and brown women had the highest cases of domestic violence. Right. So just those little not little, just those cultural specific things that are truly needed for the for the survivors of domestic violence and for the abusive partners of color. Because what we know for certain is that we face challenges that other people don't face. And going back to sweeping, sweeping things under the rug, we can't not talk about and expect the solution, right? And when we talk about, and I'm just talking about from my lived experience, Black men 
in the 90s, a lot of you all um, are convicted felons for marijuana, which is legal now. Mm-hmm. But I will say not a lot. Some of you all, some of you all are convicted felons because you were selling crack. Co- I mean, you know, it was just that whole notion. So not only are you facing just being a black man and trying to survive, then you have this background. So now stuff on your back background. So now you can't vote, even though you can pay taxes. Mm-hmm. Now you're you're subjected to making twelve dollars an hour, nothing more, nothing less. And then you're supposed to feel like a man. And then here I come along, this broken little girl, and I'm going to emasculate you because I make six figures and you don't because you have all these other factors. And so to your point, a year ago, I decided to go and be and try to be the solution, one of the for our community, to be the person at the table, having the hard conversations about our community. And during the program, I was introduced to um, what's called a House Bill 3529. And basically, make a long story short, is a pilot program that is geared towards reform of domestic violence abusers. And it's out of San Antonio, Texas. So to your point, and and it's like to your point in terms of like, there's got to be a lot more people standing up for Mm -hmm. what's right and a lot less like we have to make the light shine over the darkness there is programs by god's grace that are being created to hopefully address the abuser while addressing the abused at the same time so i know that was a but that's my the, it's the legislation it's like you know it's it's the let like we gotta when we when we're talking about domestic violence in the black community in the brown community in order to truly address it and eradicate it we need the men we need the women we need the abusive partner work alongside the abuse part we need let we need the people in communities helping these men and women that have these criminal backgrounds get a decent job so they feel good about themselves we need the emotional safe spaces for black men that many of them since i've been speaking some of them are coming to um, uh, come up to me Ernest. one man he told me he said he was raped in the third grade on his way home from school 56 years old and we were in this um conference together and he was just now coming to grips with telling his parents, because his parents are like in their 80s. Another young black man came up to me, said he was molested for years. And the person that molested him, he asked him why it was a relative. And he said he knew he couldn't get pregnant. These are the lost, or one, one young man I met at a gas station. He'd been molested for years by his mom's best friend, a woman. And what I know when I was molested, when my sister was molested, we get the resources, right? So when I came home pregnant at, when I tell my story now, I was pregnant at 14 as a result of just my body being exposed and just sexually misused. I get that instant empathy. Mm-hmm. I've gotten it for a long time. But when a young, when a young black man, now that I'm realizing like what's been going on, when his hurt manifests and having all the babies, right? Having all the women being abusive, it manifests in those different ways they get. So it's a matter of getting to the root, even when we're talking about the criminal justice system in our community, in our community. I got to start at home. 
the B-I-B-L-E say you got to start at the house. Right, right. Now, Jamie, I'm so glad that, that I had you on. Um, man, I, and I love, the, I love this conversation that, that we've been having. And definitely, I, I have reached out uh, to a couple guys um, who's that's their platform as far as, you know, um, men opening up about, you know, sexual abuse and things that they've been on. So I haven't had one of them on yet, but I have reached out to him. We have been in communication. So hopefully soon, you know, uh, we will have someone on to even discuss that. Um, but again, like I said, I definitely have been having the conversations with uh, past guests that have been on here about, you know, develop, developing these spaces, these safe spaces, spaces for men to have these difficult conversations. And um, so I know that it's, it's, it's in the works, uh, it's, it's slowly, you know, it's slowly moving, but it's, it's, it's working, you know, it's, it's coming. And I definitely appreciate the work that you're doing because um, definitely that lets me know that even in this journey of domestic violence, it's, it's coming. You know, because it takes someone like yourself, like myself, to have these conversations and then you to even go further to be the one to take it just from us having a conversation, but taking it to the heads where you can sit at the table. And I definitely appreciate that. Definitely appreciate having you on. I'm going to let you have the last word to, uh, you know, share your information and also share the, the information for the um, uh, hotlines or where someone could look and find help if that's needed for them. Um, in a minute. So I want you to leave us with a, a, a thought of whatever off the top of your head, something to leave us with and also share your information, your uh, media information and all of those things um, in a minute. So uh, everyone, thank you guys for, for listening to us. Again, this is the deal to hear with E. James podcast. Uh, thank you guys for joining us. Uh, we have a lot of things coming up. Make sure that you guys Follow us on YouTube, definitely, but definitely on our Facebook page, because in that Facebook page, you also be uh, linked to our uh, Deal Heal Fulfill community. And also you'll be able to uh, find out about different things that we have going on. We got eBooks coming. We got uh, webinars coming. Uh, definitely you have other products coming. Definitely we got the Deal to Heal Tees, T-shirts that's already available. So make sure you guys follow us on YouTube, definitely, so you don't miss a show. But also on Facebook because you'll be able to have more of an interactive um platform with us where we can share more with you about what we have going on and other ways that we can help. And even reach, you can reach out to our speakers and our guests that we have on. So Ms. Jamie, again, I thank you so very much for being on. Thank you for sharing your gift with us. Thank you for the work that you're doing. So I'm going to let you have the last word. Um, the floor is yours. Oh, wow. Okay. Ernest, thank you. And I, and my prayer for you is that, that our creator continues to strengthen you and remind you like he reminds me that we cannot be worried, worried in well-doing. So I honor mm -hmm. you, King, keep it up. Thank you for having me on your show. My last thought, listen, y'all, if this small town, little girl from Oklahoma can go from being homeless to now I get the honor of sitting on the board of directors for the homeless shelter I was in, in less than two years, by making the decision not to give up, making the decision that too many of our ancestors and the people that's gone before us have sacrificed too much for me to stay a victim, then I absolutely know it doesn't necessarily have to be domestic violence or uh, uh, 
uh, molest. It can be any hurt, any trauma. What I know for certain is once we make the decision to overcome it, we absolutely can. If you happen to be watching tonight and you're uh, experiencing domestic violence, whether you are the abuser or the person um, being abused, uh, Ernest has the National Domestic Violence Hotline. Please reach out and um, get help. There are trained advocates that will answer the phone and that will walk you through for both victims and the abusive partners. Okay, let's break um, these generational curses of handing down the trauma. Let's hand down wealth. Let's hand down knowledge. And in order to do that, we have to be intentional and use the resources that are available to us. So um, I'm on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, all the social media platforms under Jamie R. Wright, specifically Jamie R. Wright speaker on Instagram. Please follow me um, and uh, let's make this world a better place on purpose, you guys. And thank you again for having me, Ernest. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being here. Uh, the numbers is, is going to be, uh, as you can see, it's here now, but it's definitely going to be in the show notes. Um, there's a, a number that you can call and there's also a number that you can text. So if you can't call, you can text and get the help that you need. Jamie, thank you again so much for being on. Listeners, thank you guys. Again, this is the Deal to Heal with E. James podcast. And my mission is to help people to deal to heal and to fulfill, to deal with your problems, to heal from the pain and to fulfill your purpose. And so until next time, we will see you guys next week. Be blessed. Hey guys, I know you're enjoying the podcast. However, don't forget to join our text line at 866-326-0730. That's 866-326-0730 in order to receive text messages with new events and things that is going on and new episodes as they release. All right. See you in a minute. Thanks for listening to the deal to heal with E James podcast. Remember to listen, like subscribe and share. This episode has been brought to you by deal to heal teas. Put some inspiration in your situation. Wear an inspirational tea and be inspired all day. Let's go to dealtoheeltees.myshopify.com. Remember, our mission is to help you to deal, heal, and fulfill. Deal with your problem, heal from the pain, and fulfill your purpose. Thanks for listening.